There's an old saying that goes like this, know thyself and to thyself be true. You see, to know yourself means to know your strengths, your weaknesses, your hates, your loves, your passions and your dislikes, what gets you going and what doesn't. When you know yourself, you're less likely to be led by the crowd. You're less likely to live a life that someone else wants for you and you're more likely to live a life you want. One of the biggest reasons for not living our, or fulfilling our potential is we don't know who we are. In this week's podcast, I have a great guest who comes in and shares his own personal journey to discovering his own self and shares some great tips we can all apply to ourselves on how to discover our true selves, our true you, and find out what we're born to do. Stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the You Unleashed podcast with Femi Akiemi, the podcast where we share ideas on how to rock it in the workplace and life in general. Sometimes I use stories from my past, and trust me, I do have some stories, but other times I get people who know a lot more than I do to come into the studio and share some great knowledge with us. You know what I usually say, I become a believer that done is better than perfect, saying whatever you do, set your mind to it, then start and you'll get better as you go along. And before you know it, perfection is achieved. Very quickly, we're going to take a very quick break while we take a short message from our sponsors. On the Unleashed Academy podcast, we absolutely love bringing guests that could come in and just give us some great knowledge and wisdom. So here's a question I have for you. Just imagine you could have a one-on-one and ask me anything um, session with any of these amazing guests. Imagine being on a call or in the room with Eddie Turner, Sadiq Love, Maggie Semple, Mike Hedges, some of the great guests we've had. That's the kind of thing we're looking to bring to you as we we unveil the Unleashed Academy membership plan. On the Unleashed Academy membership plan, you have access to our wonderful guests where you can have a one-on-one session. It will only be exclusive to our members, though. You'll also receive extra support, explainer videos, emails, coaching, webinar, lots of freebies that can come with this package. So that's something to look out for over the next weeks that will be coming, courtesy of Unleashed Academy, the sponsors of the You Unleashed podcast. Let's get back to the session. Now, this week, I've got a special guest. Now... His name is Deji, and Deji is a trainer, motivational speaker, human resource consultant, a pastor, a serial entrepreneur, and a business coach. And in addition to this, several businesses he runs, he's also the founder of Better Me Me Series, a platform created to help people achieve their best. The, The clue is in the name, really, Better You. But also, there's an extra, extra special fact about this guest I have today. Now, the news is, he's my brother. Now, I don't mean this in the cultural way that a lot of people say, oh, he's my brother, um, i.e. a a fist bump or a hog or someone I've known for a long time. He's actually genuinely my brother. And one thing I've never shared on the podcast is... I come from a family of encouragers and speakers. So people who just love to train, love to encourage and love to help others. So it's unsurprising to me and to the rest of us in the family that two of us are doing something like this, which is helping people become their best. So with that said, I'd like to say a great welcome to Deji Akiyemi. Deji, welcome for coming on board. Thank you so much, Femi, and um, I, I really appreciate you inviting me to this platform. There have been quite a few um, auspicious guests you've had, so um, I know that I'm not here just because I'm your brother, or am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to well, put me on the spot today. You don't need to, you don't need to answer that. Okay, you put me on the but spot. Then, um, yeah. But then um, I, I must say that I really admire what 
the work that's been going down with Unleashed, um, the consistency with which you you know you turn out these podcasts because the pod- consistency can be one of the major challenges people have with with um, truly becoming you know the best at what they do. And I've really fallen in love with your mantra. You know, done is better than perfect. Because so many times I find myself um, not doing stuff because I want it to be perfect. But I just remember what you said, you know, and I just say, you know what, done is better than perfect. Let's get this show on the road. Yeah, absolutely. That that's so true. And I remember when I started this podcast, and um, I remember my 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 wife saying, "What are you doing?" And I and I just started it because, and it came from a frustration of. I just want to do something. I need to be doing something. And and in a way, one of the things I found very quickly is that the easiest way to do something is do something with as few barriers as possible. Because the more barriers there are in, 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 in a trying to do something, the harder it is to do. There's a great book I'm reading by um, James Clare called Atomic Habits. And he talks about how to how you need little little changes can lead to big changes in your life. And with the podcast, I just realized I could pick up my phone, speak into it, and release it. And I thought, that's easy. And I did one, I did two. And then and as, I, as time went on, I got better. So not to make this all about me, but um, on your point, yes, I think I kind of did it because one, one of my coaches once said, Femi, until you're sick of you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You won't do anything. And that day I was just absolutely sick of having these things I wanted to do and not do anything. So I just did it. So that was my journey onto my own better me. So yeah, thank you. And it's great to have you on board because um, being my big brother as well, ever since I could, um, I could comprehend and understand, I've been watching you from afar and admiring and copying and modeling a lot of things after you. So um obviously you did this as well and you've been encouraging people and encouraging me so um that's why i thought it'd be good to get someone i've learned a lot from to come into the studio so for people's information the topic this week really is finding your true you and that is such a powerful and it's really a deep 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 topic that i think a lot of us may go to our graves and never really understand what it means to be your true you. So I guess the first question is, to hit this off, is what what is true you? Because I think a lot of people would immediately think they understand what your true you is. But what is a true you? Because when I go to work, I live my life. To a certain extent, that is me. So when we say be your true you, your true self, what are we trying to say? What are we asking of them? Um, you know, with being being your true you, um, it stems from the fact that people tend to um, set their personal goals, set their life goals, career goals, and a, a whole lot of these things all around modeling someone else. And uh, fine, it's become almost a cliche now that um, you you can never be at best, if you copy someone, you'll be a great copy, right? But then, most importantly, a lot of life's frustrations, a lot of life's disappointments stem from when we focus so much on being someone who we're never meant to be. And if you admire a particular thing in someone's life and you say, oh, I want to be just like this person, you know, you could strive towards it, but then um, even when you get as close as you can actually get, you could still find yourself feeling disappointed, mainly because, look, that's just not you. When I look at myself, going back and maybe um, growing up, uh, for as long as I could remember, I was going to become a doctor, medical doctor, and this all stemmed from the fact that um, my father had always, my father, our father had always wanted um, me to become a doctor. And that in turn stemmed from the belief, the societal belief that once a child was smart or brainy, they were going to study one of the 
is it big three or big four course um, fields of study, medicine, um, law, engineering. You know what they used to call the professional courses. Yeah, or, those, or accounting. Those, yeah, accounting. The professional courses those days. You know, and so I grew up. You know, just thinking of oh, I'm going to become a doctor, and um, of course, what that tends to do because I know a lot of people find themselves in that place. What tends to happen is that you never stop to think of what. Um, you would love to do and of course when we're younger we don't quite re we can't really articulate what it is that we are drawn to you know and i got into high school and even in high school i would i i started to notice certain things like um i would actually get better grades in things like business studies social studies and then I would get decent grades in my sciences. And I remember there was this particular year when, oh, I had, well, I was in the top three and I was quite happy. I proudly took my, my report, my report card home. And then my dad looks at it and he says, because, okay, I had A's in some areas, but C's in integrated science. And he says, you have to improve your science if you're going to become a doctor. And, even then, when I was still quite young, my mind's eye was thinking, hey, but you haven't even looked at any of the things that I did do well. I mean, some, and that's how life can be. When you're fixated on something, right, you become blind to the telltale signs of another direction in which probably you're being called to go to, you know, because just looking at my record, in hindsight, my record in high school, I probably should have done something like social science courses by the time I got into uni. And, okay, I finished high school and then I didn't get the grades to get into medical school. And then the next thing that comes to mind is, okay, what else can I study? And I just remembered a friend of mine had talked about geology when we were in secondary school, saying that it was quite lucrative. So... I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll switch to geology. So now I found myself making the first decision based on my my, what my father wanted for me, the second decision based on what I'd heard someone tell me, you know, about the rewards. And I get into, I get into university and university was like a whole big flunk. You know, I came out with terrible grades, you know, and, you know, it got to a point where, you know, okay, well, because I'm, I've got an African background, it got to a point where I was beginning to wonder whether something spiritual happened to my brain and I wasn't quite smart anymore, you know? And I think it was the, the, the Copernican moment, the, the aha moment for me was when I actually went for a job interview. Now I had done, I'd done written the assessment for that interview for that um, company and it, it was an, an energy company in Nigeria and my friend worked there and so he was one of the first to tell me the results and I aced I aced the the assessments I mean so well that you know I was by far the best candidate and then by then it seemed like a foregone conclusion that the company would hire me and then I get into the um interview okay when we went for the interview i was told to bring my credentials and then they looked at my credentials and saw that wow i graduated with the third class and then conversations started to go on at the background by the time i went in for the interview the first thing i hear is that okay well ideally you shouldn't have even written the test but because you did so well in the test um, we will interview you and um but whatever comes out of it, just take it out like that. And what should have been an interview turns into a bit of a, um, into an intervention of sorts. You know, okay, what happened to you? Now, I had history with this company because my father worked with this company as well. And when, when he was working there, they set up like um, a staff children's um, scholarship program. And so 
I was one of the first beneficiaries and, uh, and I actually had the best grades at that time. And coincidentally, the, the person who was now the HR manager for this company who was sitting in the interview was our next door neighbor when we used to live in the company estate. And so she knew me then. And so she was like, okay, what happened to you? I know in primary school, you're quite smart. You had good grades in secondary school. So what happened? And, and I tried to mumble a few things. And then someone on that panel told me that, I believe the problem was that you studied the wrong course. And I thought, oh, really? And he said, well, he had the same problem too when he got into university and elected to study um, nuclear physics because it was the in thing. And he almost got kicked out of school in the first year. And then he switched to um, industrial chemistry and almost graduated with the first class degree. And now the long and short of it is that I didn't get the job. I mean, it was like my parents literally went into mourning, you know, because they had such high hopes for it. But for me, it was almost like the best thing that had happened to me because I had gotten clarity, not necessarily clarity as to what I wanted, but clarity as to what I didn't want. I know when it comes to finding the true you, it's all about getting to a place of clarity. We, um, As we grow up, we our lives... Um, are greatly impacted by two major influences, nature and nurture. Now, if you nurture coming from our um, environment, yeah, and when I say environment, I mean your home environment could be a parent, um, siblings, relatives, it could be society. Like looking back at me, on one hand, it was, a part of it had to do with um, the influence from my father, who himself, who himself was influenced by society. And, you know, of course, there's the nurture, which, um, there's the nature, which happens to be you yourself. Who are you? You know, that your natural tendencies. You know, some people have a natural gift for speaking and talking and things like that, you know. So clarity is so, so important. Now, across the, across over 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 time, there have been different poignant moments, things that people said to me, which maybe I did not necessarily act on at the time, but for some reason I never forgot, right? The very first time was like when we were all children and we were with our mother and she, she started talking to us and I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was you or one of my brothers who asked her, um, mom, what? What am I good at? What's, what's my special gift or talent? And then, you know, she now proceeds to talk about each and every one of us saying, oh, Femi is good at this, blah, 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 is good at this. And when she got to me, I was wondering, when she had already said that one of my brothers was pretty smart. And I felt, okay, maybe that was my gift. And when she got to me, I was wondering, what is she going to say? And then she said, I is a good teacher. And I was so angry. I was so angry because, I mean, at that time, our mother was a teacher. And there was this mantra we had growing up that says that um, a teacher's reward is in heaven. So <laughs> I didn't want to wait to get to heaven. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't the most, fi it, 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 it's not the most financially <laughs> rewarding re rewarding <laughs> profession out there. Yeah, but, but um, I mean, there's so much you've put into that and there's a lot to unpack. But, but I think to to bring you back a bit, I think one of the first things I got out of this was is the, is, is the point of of the choice you made. So a lot of us, without realizing, so a lot of people here would say, I'm doing what I want. But sometimes we don't realize that there are drivers in the decisions we make. So for a lot of people, they look at their lives. And there's a great thing a lot of people say. It says... Okay you are the sum total of all the decisions you've made in your life to this point. Everywhere you are today, there are things that happen to you, but by and large, the way you react is just as important as what happens to you, if not more important. Um, a couple of things you said here, which was what my father wanted and lucrative. And the first part was that what your father wanted, which was medicine. And coincidentally, I remember being my older brother and the person I looked up to, because you wanted to be a doctor, I wanted to be a doctor. 
for a short period, and I used to say, I'm going to be a doctor too. But I couldn't think of anything else. Um, I mean, thinking back now, um, I couldn't think of any reason why I would want to be a doctor, even though it's one of the most honorable professions, because I know myself well enough now <clears throat> to know what it requires of you mentally and um, discipline-wise, and I know the kind of person I am. But when, once you stopped wanting to be a doctor, surprise, surprise, I stopped wanting to be wanting to be a doctor. And when you wanted to study geology, I started looking into study ge studying geology. <laughs> Although as I was getting older, I started to realize, why am I doing this? But to come back to it, that was what your father wanted. But then when you made your, made your next decision about going into geology, it was lucrative, which was money, which I'm going to take a slight pivot and we'll come back to define it to you which comes back to a lot of things a lot of people I speak to about purpose always talk about. And it's that age-old question about purpose versus money. Do I work for purpose or do I work for money? And I'm going to ask that question to you now is, what do we tell people when people say, should I go after my purpose or should I go after the money? I'd, I'd like to tell people that... Um... They, they, the, the two of them are not mutually exclusive. Which is to say, you and can, you, 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 you can, yeah, you can have both. You can have both. Okay. And, yeah, you can have both, and I, I know that most people, the challenge they tend to have is um, they cannot find um, the the rewards in their place of purpose, and so they pick reward over purpose. Now, yeah. So they they can't just to 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 clarify that they can't imagine because sometimes it's a point of imagination or creativity. Sometimes, although some other times it's not so much so. So you might be someone who enjoys fishing and you still can't find a way, although there is a way because you could go open up a fishing shop or something. But back to the point is that so a lot of people can't find a way to monetize or to transform their passion into money, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. true. And um, but also critically, I think also for some of the most fabulously wealthy people we even know in the world today, their drivers were not money. And a lot of times when um, your driver is money, you are, there's a greater chance that you will abandon purpose. You will abandon the true you because you keep looking over your shoulder and saying, oh, this person is doing something else and they're driving this fantastic car. I should go do that as well. You understand? You know, ultimately, in life, we we tend to regret the things we didn't try more. And a lot of people, they get older, and they look outwardly successful, but they have a lot of regrets. And a lot of those regrets stem from things that they would have loved to do, but they didn't have the the desire or the fortitude to chase through. I mean, um, I remember a company I worked with years back and we were sitting in a management meeting and then I was sitting beside one of the, the, the MDs of a subsidiary of the company I worked with. And I saw her just, you know, in the middle of the meeting, just drawing and she was pretty good. You know, and I was just joking with her saying that, oh, are you sure you didn't miss your calling? And then she said that funny enough that she was supposed to have gone to art school and that at, she had gotten an admission. And at the last minute, her father said, no, that she must study management or something else. You understand? And there's so many of us who are in that place. You understand? Because it takes a lot of determination to follow the path to the true you. Because remember, the true you is something quite personal. The people closest to you will not get it. Sometimes your spouse won't get it. Your parents won't get it. When I finally switched from geology to HR, I remember my dad would ask me, I'm sure you, I, um, that he would say, oh, are you telling me that if you got a job with an oil company today, you wouldn't take it? And I told him, only if the job was in HR. You understand? By that time, I'd gotten such clarity that I said no to what wasn't in line with what I wanted and focused solely on the things that I did want. 
And let me tell you something. Once I tr I started to get focused on what I really, really liked to do, I noticed that certain things started to fall into place. And that's, I mean, some would call it the universe. Some would talk about it in regards to the God factor, you know. But certain things start to align for you when you start to chase, you know, that true passion that you have. Yeah. I, I think I think that that's interesting point. I also remember when you decided to to drop geology, and I remember there was a, there was a post mortem and inquiry, in, 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 in and um, it was quite solemn about to about how on earth could you drop such a lucrative profession. But 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 to come back to it, I think you make a great point. I was in a webinar a while ago, and someone asked me that same question about purpose and money, and I said the same thing you said, man. And someone said built on what you said and what they said was if you think of all the wealthy people here in the world today dan Gotti, bill gates bezos zuckerberg above all through their passion they wanted to solve a problem they wanted to yes. solve a problem and the world the world as we know will reward problem solvers so there's something we're coming we're both discovering as we're talking here which is that Finding the th the true you and finding a way to use it to so help the world solve a problem will take care of the finance finance side, but would also mean that there is an avenue for you to build on your true you to make it lucrative. So that kind of answers the the purpose and money question, which is that you can do both, but you also have to be prepared sometimes to wait it out because it's not always a flick of a switch that you start chasing your purpose. And then straight away you make money because when you when you plow that loan furrow, when you go that separate route, it can be challenging. I think the question I would the bigger thing I want to come back to is you mentioned fortitude. I think there's fear. I think there's fear, and I and I and I wonder what you have to say to people because a lot of people are genuinely afraid because it takes a lot to step out of what you've known your whole life. Deep down inside you, you have that yearning, that hunger to do what you really love, which makes you come alive. But there's a deep fear inside of it that, number one, what I want to do looks so different to the world. Number two, it would look, people would think I'm crazy for dropping everything I've done to date and wasted everything I've done. And for that reason, people think I'll just keep doing what I do and it's safe and it pays the bills and the true you will just have to die a quiet death. What do you say to the people who are living in that fear sometimes? Um, I mean, you're quite right in, in with regards to fear. And I had my fears too, you know, but then I think a lot of, in a lot of cases, you just need to really find that affirmation whether it be self-affirmation or affirmation from others, but most critically, self-affirmation. In other words, being having enough belief in you, whatever it is, is that specific gift, talent, or passion that you have, and being able to, um, being able to look at whatever those things, or shall I, whatever successes you have, you know, from those particular things. Because uh, when I, when, even before, I'll tell you something, long before I went into HR, I had heard, like I told you that at about 12, my mom had said I was a good teacher. I remember once um, in about 2004, 2005, I was in church, right? I hadn't made up my mind what I wanted to do at the time, but then I'd preached a sermon in church. And it was one of those sermons that, was um, quite motivational for people. And I remember that the the assistant pastor of the church walked up to me and he said, then I was job hunting and he said, he said, are you, are you sure you shouldn't, you know, be looking, are you sure you should be looking for work? Are you sure that people shouldn't be paying you for what you just gave us for free? And I laughed. You know, and I laughed because I didn't feel like I had enough to offer. I laughed because I didn't feel um, that I had enough credibility to to speak to people. You understand? I remember a friend of mine told me something that 
um, I think it was Reverend Sam Adeyemi had said that, look, you don't speak when you're rich, you speak to be rich, you know? So, you know, once again, that stuck with me, you know, and it gave me more affirmation and reinforcement that, okay, there was something that I knew how to do well. Yeah. You understand, you know, um, when, 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 of course, you you can learn. You can also get your affirmation from reading up other people's stories. The truth is just that whether we like it or not, no matter how gifted or talented you are, if you're not re if you're not ready to put in the work, right? Sometimes the work even has to do with um, learning stuff that might not necessarily be related to what it is that you want to become, but just learning from the successes or the journeys of other people. Because nobody tells nobody anybody who tells you that it's just going to be smooth sailing is probably setting you up for failure. You understand, right? I was, to be honest, I I was, I was at first I was kind of lucky because um, I was at a place where I was literally on the ground. I couldn't fall any further, but something happened when I started my first HR job. Um, some other um, job opportunities that I've been pursuing in geology started to bear fruit. I was trying to get work with the federal government agency back in Nigeria then. And from nowhere, I get a phone call saying, oh, they'd like me to come for um, a small interview, blah, blah, blah. And without any hesitation, I told the guy that, oh, I'm not interested anymore. I've got a job now. I said, oh, okay. I'm sure he, he, he couldn't hide the surprise in his voice. And you know what I did? I waited about two months or so, two or three months before I told my parents because I knew what my father would say. They, they would have put and, the pressure. They would have put the pressure on you to make and, that decision, and, and the wrong decision, happened. and the wrong decision for you. Exactly, because that's exactly what happened. Even though it'd been two months when I mentioned it to my dad, my dad was like, "Oh, I can still call them up." I said. Dad, sorry, I've moved on from this. But, but, but I think <laughs> there, there's a degree of understanding I have for for people and friends, because sometimes they want the best for us, right? And in their wanting the best for us, they can only relate to what they know as tried and trusted. So they've seen that a career in, in geology, a career in medicine is a lucrative career. It's what people will call a slam dunk or a shore banker. You will probably always have work. And you probably always, if you rise, you get a decent amount of pay, which means that for the rest of your life, you're sorted. I guess what it doesn't take account of is ultimately, will you be fulfilled? Will you be satisfied? Not many people go, a lot of people, when people are on their, great, on, on their dying beds, they usually think about the things they wish they'd done. And when you miss out on your true you, that is what you're missing out on. You're missing out your gift to yourself and to the whole world, what you're really made for, what you were designed to do. Because when you're being, nobody can do you like you, is what I always say. Yeah, yeah. yeah Absolutely yeah. no one can do you. I, and one of the things, I, I remember to think to this, you you talk about the story about mom telling you about when you were 12. I remember when I was um, probably about five or six years ago, it was my birthday and one of my friends, Peter, called me and he went, we went to boarding school together. So I remember, um, I think it was probably, so to, to about, to use your story about 12 years, when you were 12, I had a story about when I was young, a long time ago. And um, there were things I used to do in school that I didn't think made a difference. But when it was my birthday about five or six years ago, a friend called me. And the friend says, oh, Femi, I saw some of the videos you did on Instagram. They were amazing. And, you know, for you, I'm not surprised because if anybody was going to do this, it was always going to be you because when we were in secondary school, you always used to write a lot. You used to speak a lot. So I'm not surprised. And straight away, I went, oh, that's true. And that affirmed to me that this is something I've always liked because one of the things they always tell people is when you want to know what you're good at, think of something you would do for free and enjoy it or think back to things you did when you were young when nobody was watching or nobody would pay you and you just absolutely did it. And it's sometimes a clue or a pointer 
towards what you are really destined to do or be. And I think it was in my podcast number five, I spoke about it, to how to identify your true gift. And that comes back to the you, which is that sometimes you have to have a way of identifying what your true you is. And that's one of the ways, I mean, for you as someone who helps people identify their true you, what are the other ways you tell them are, are ways they can use to identify their true self? Okay. Um, I think I was pondering on this before we went on this podcast. And, uh, one word that kept resonating with me was um, the word listen. And I mean, you just need to learn to listen. And when I say listen, listen to yourself and listen to people who know you. Because, for instance, I, I, I talk about... Um, I talk about my mom at 12, right? She was someone who knew me, right? And she said something significant, you understand? And in my continued journey, I've heard different things from different people who know me as well, right? Then at the same time too, just like you just mentioned, listening to yourself comes to comes from you actually um, listening and remembering the times when you do stuff and you feel um, quite happy, quite fulfilled at actually doing things. You know, for instance, you know, when you look back at times when um, you were really, really happy with your life, what would, what were you doing, you know, at that time? You know, what are the things that brought you a lot of happiness? What are the things that you just realized that you kept doing without any thought as to the reward that comes from it? I know I love to speak, you know, and I've noticed that in a lot of cases, um, I give a lot of advice for free. Sometimes my wife isn't too happy about it, you know, <laughs> but... But that's it because, just that's comes because so you natural. enjoy it and you're, you're in your gift. And when you're in your gift, um, it's what HR people or some people call flow. Because when you're in your yes. gift, you just flow and it pours out of you, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. That's just the flow. So, I mean, it's important that you listen. Listen to yourself. I mean, if you have a job and every day and when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that comes to mind is... I wish I couldn't, I didn't have to go to work today. Or I wish there was something that could give me a legitimate reason to not go to work. You know, sometimes I remember there's some jobs I've had where I'll wake up and I'll touch my neck. So, oh, I wish I was hot so I could legitimately say that, oh, I'm not feeling too well. I have to stay at home. But when you get into something you really love, you find out that it doesn't feel like work. You understand? And so you can do it for hours on end, right? Without any considering, without any, without um, getting tired or anything, you know? So it's important that people listen. And then you see, be honest enough to ask the people close to you questions. You understand? Ask them questions about, okay, what do you feel I'm really good at? Or, um, when you think of me, what comes to mind, you know, because just like with the, as the Johari window would tell us, right. We all have blind spots. You know, there's that part of ourselves that we are blind to and other people can see. And that's why it's important to, to also ask questions of people who really know us. You understand now, I mean, you probably would still take everything with a pinch of salt. Right, but then it gives you, when you combine that with certain things that you've come to, feelers you've gotten from your inner self about you, you know, then then, uh, then, then you would find out that you're gradually being able to, getting able to narrow things down. You know, like there's something that um, um, Brian Tracy always, always used to say that, look, if you were going to choose a job and no matter what job you chose to do, you would earn the same amount of money. What would you do? You understand? Right? Because a lot of times people, they let themselves go and they confess what they would really like to do. But then what happens? Reality 
reality, they come back to reality and quickly try to continue their lives based on um, what seems logical at the moment. You know, it's read stories. It's, it's also good to also read um, about people who have taken the, the path less trodden. Because um, if you, a lot of times, the reason why we don't try to, to do things is because people, we, a lot of people, you haven't seen it done before. You understand? And it does, the fact that it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it's not possible. It just means that it's virgin territory, you know. And if you do go down that path, you know, it becomes something so unique for you. I mean, there's so many trailblazers out there today. But then there are also so many people who have probably done something a bit similar to what you want to do. And you can learn from their journeys. Learn from their journeys. I mean... What I, I am doing today, right, speaking and talking and, and um, affirming people, I saw I'm, deep down I probably wanted to do it, you know, for years. And I remember I, a friend of mine started doing it from right out of school. You understand? And I would watch him, I would attend his events, you know. And I remember he said something once that he heard someone say that I'm sure one of, some of you are, are sitting there listening to me, telling yourself that I can do this better than this person. And he said that, well, the only difference is that I am doing it and you are not, you know. So part of it also, too, is that, look, when you find that, when you begin to identify that there's something you really like, look for platforms or opportunities to do it for free. A lot of times, the reason why people don't get the opportunity to really hone or develop their craft is because they put the cart before the horse. They're looking for the reward before they have really built or developed their skill. Um, what, what, one, of my, one of my mentors, Peter Thompson has a saying that money is a silent reward for a job well done. You know, and so if you do the job well, you understand, right? Money will come. And so having a raw gift is not the end. It's the foundation. And you must be ready to develop yourself. Develop yourself means that maybe it might even be like some people are using you. At a point in time when I wanted to become um, a master of ceremonies, you know, right? I, I, I hooked up with the guy who was more experienced. Yeah? You want to say something? So master of ceremonies, this is the people who... who so that's it, another, another talent. People. Like, a, like a compare. Okay. Like I, a compare. Yeah, because I know, I, know I, didn't, I didn't add that to your introduction. So that's one of your many gifts as well. Because you did say you were a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. So you're an MC as well. As well. So I mean, I did it for a If anyone needs an MC, they can, they can reach out to you as well. No, I don't do that quite that much anymore. <laughs> you know, and that's why I said, you know, when we talk about listening, I remember that I started doing it, but some things weren't quite right for me in the sense that um, as much as I know I have humor, I just didn't feel comfortable being a more, more or less a comedian. And I remember a friend of mine, a cousin of mine said, are you sure you should be doing that? I mean, um, I see you as someone who has a gift that is much more serious than making people laugh. That was another point to listen to. You understand? So being able to listen, pick things from people, to, from the things people tell you helps you to see, get that 2020 vision of you. Yeah. You understand? Very quickly. Um, uh, apologies to all comedians. I, I if we, we didn't mean um, comedians isn't serious, but I think what it was the context we we're talking about there, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, for instance, like uh, uh, I, I love. I mean, I I love the art of comedy. I enjoy watching it. But I was talking about myself. Yeah, you I understand, know, I know. right? And um, and maybe it was because I was um, I was always drawn to. Um, helping people be better. You know, even long before I became a coach, I just realized that I would see people start asking them questions. You know, if you were to ask my wife the first day I spoke with her, um, 
even though I should have been in toasting mode, I was in coach mode. Yeah. So, so instead of courting her, you, you were coaching. But that, that, yeah. that's, that's something that happens to, to a lot of us coaches, right? Or speakers. You can't help yourself. Um, so you've mentioned some two very great things here. One is ask people close to you. And um, I think one of the things I, I struggle with and I always encourage people to is you have to be ready to take the good with the bad when you ask people for feedback about yourself. And I think for a lot of us, the reason why we don't ask for feedback is that... We're afraid of what we might hear. We're afraid of what we might hear. And we are probably afraid of what we might hear because ultimately we know it's probably true, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so that's I, I mean... So that's one good point. And the second one is do it for free. I think this is a big one. And when we spoke about purpose and money sometimes... We're not saying you should dump what you do now and go and start chasing your purpose. I think a good way sometimes is to keep doing what you're doing and think about transitioning. So keep doing what you're doing now, but find a platform to start doing what you love for free, right? So that you can understand what it takes to be successful in exactly. that thing. Exactly. You know, some people say that, okay, well, if your hobby starts to pay your bills, then you're made, right? It could start out as a hobby. It could start out as a side hustle. You understand many things that started out as hobby uh, started out as hobbies that be ultimately became businesses were literally like okay someone would do something and people liked it and then one particular day somebody actually offers to pay you to do that very thing and then a light bulb comes on and like oh so people could actually pay for me to do what I did you know like as a speaker I've I've spoken for free many times, you understand? Um, and as I became more um, developed in my craft, and you see, something, one thing about developing yourself and honing your craft is that it also increases your level of self-confidence. Because you see, there's something we tend to call um, um, imposter syndrome, when you tend to have that feeling that you're not worthy. And as long as you carry the imposter syndrome around with you, you probably won't even be able to um, place a value on what you can offer. And, and imposter syndrome, when we say imposter syndrome, what we really mean is that is that feeling of, I'm not good enough to be here. I'm, I don't deserve yeah. to be here. When and, and one of the things I tell people is, a big mistake a lot of us make is we underestimate ourselves and at the same time we overrate other people. So we think mm -hmm. what people are doing is amazing, and it is, but sometimes that blinds us to how good we are at what we do, isn't it? Yes, yes. Especially like um, a few years ago, I went to speak um, at a particular platform, and then someone spoke before me, and I was like, oh, wow. And I mean, even at that time, I was an experienced speaker, and I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, okay, how do, how do I match up to that, you know? And for a brief second, I felt almost insecure. And then until I actually started talking. But tell you what, after I finished my session, the guy who I was admiring came, shook my hand, and he said he really enjoyed my session, and he took my phone number. You understand? So, I mean, a lot of times it's it's about having um, enough enough belief in yourself, not to be cocky, but at the same time, having enough self-confidence to do what you do and also become better at what um, you do. But you do, you do have to do the, you have to put in the hard work. You craft. have to take a step. And that's the beautiful thing here is, so whatever it is, guys, and, and this is to the listeners really, is, is number one, you need to ask people who are close to you, what are those things you're good at? What are those things that in those moments when you don't realize anyone's watching, ask what are the things you think I'm good at? You will be amazed what you will hear. And for the most part, you're very unlikely to be surprised because deep down, we tend to know the things we enjoy. Because when we do those things, there is a buzz, there is a feeling we get that cannot be replicated anywhere. When you do it and you do it well, you know silently, oh, I loved that. And when someone tells you you can do it, the next step is do it for free. Try and find anywhere to do it for free. And it may seem like you're not getting rewarded, what you're doing is you're silently honing your craft and skill. There's a popular saying, yeah. it takes years to become an overnight success. You keep, <laughs> you know, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. You, you exactly. keep doing I mean, that. And then, so what, is there a third thing they do once they do that? I mean, okay, now, 
um, remember, like you just said now, when when you get that affirmation from people, it's quite empowering. You understand? Um, so, yes, on one hand, like I said, listen. Listen in terms of like what people close to you say. But you could also li- start to think about the things that people like to ask you to do as favors for them. Right? When people ask you for a particular thing, a lot, right? It's usually because they see you as being competent or skilled in that particular area. You understand? So whether you're someone who you just find out that whenever someone is having an occasion, they always call on you, you know, to help them with the planning and the organizing. It could probably mean that they've identified the particular skill set you have around that area. It doesn't mean that you have to we all have to become event planners, but it could just mean that they'll notice that maybe you're someone who's just good at following things through. You understand? So um, look at the things that people ask you for. You understand, right? Um, the things that people praise you for. You understand? People that when you hear the words, well done. What is what is what in what areas do you usually hear a lot of the well done? You understand? Because even when I went to HR into HR, I still had my passion was still much more about speaking. And my CEO once told me that she said, "JJ, it, it seems like you have a, a bias for 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 training, you know, because it seems like I always, you know, make everything dovetail into." learning and development that was the natural me coming to the fore you understand so um yes ask people um, listen um look at look listen when i say remember i said when you listen to yourself right the idea is to look at look at well what are the things that when you're doing them you don't want to stop what are the things that when you're doing them you, you don't, don't want don't, you don't want to stop you understand right the things that you don't want to stop right another thing also is um when it comes to finding finding the true you is that look um sometimes you can you can start to narrow things down by elimination you understand when 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 i left that interview i wasn't sure what i wanted to do but I was sure what I didn't want to do. You understand? And so sometimes you start to gradually find yourself from finding out the things that you do not want for yourself. You understand? So, and and, that, and those are powerful points. That process of elimination, and I think it, it's tied also to the point where don't be afraid to try stuff sometimes. So sometimes you're, you once you know what you don't want to do, just try stuff because sometimes you'll be surprised what you find. But you made a very powerful point, which was around when you were working um, in HR, you started to make everything dovetail into training. And one of the things I tell people who I coach and mentor is this is what you can do. Even if at your place of work, start trying to find way to dovetail what you do into something you love. And you may end up doing what you love for only 10, 20% of the time at work but already you're, you're going to start displaying your gift. So one, one person I know, I always encourage her to, she loves planning events, and I always encourage her. What you should do is whenever this, the companies plan their Christmas meals, they're planning their, um, um, their summer pl- um, events, volunteer, do that. And very quickly, it's exactly. a Yeah, start to, you, you realize you're using your talent, your gift in that place. And sure, you may hold on to your job and that may pay the bills, but you're still giving yourself an outlet because more than the money, what you need is an outlet for that gift and talent. Once you have an outlet for that gift and talent, the rest will take care of itself because the more you do it, the more things will come together and fall into place. The financial reward of it and doing it so much that it takes over that hobby pays you and it can take over your job. So it's, it's about finding just finding a way to do it and then the rest will yes. take care of itself. Do it and do it consistently. Yes, yes. And 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 um critically too, I mean, depending on what it is that um you find yourself gravitating towards, um, I mean, we we perception is not reality, but perception is real. And and that's why things like um certifications, um in some cases, it's even degrees tend to 
be necessary, not because they make you better, but because they make you more credible. You understand? Because when I first started going into training, I gobbled up all the training programs I could attend, you understand? Just so I could build up my resume to the point where people would see beyond, you know, um, would, would, would see competence in that profile. You understand? Because I see some people are pretty good at something and they haven't really been able to make a headway with it because as good as they are, um, we live in a world where people um, see, um, will judge you based on certain um, certain certifications and qualifications. So it all depends on it all depends on you. But you can't stop developing and improving yourself if you want to become the best you. Because you see, after you find the true you, it's about becoming the best you. You understand the true you is basically that which you love, that which you have a passion for, that which you have a gift for. Now, I like to tell people that look, sometimes, and I learned this, I think, from reading one of um, Marcus Buckingham's books, you know, there are some things you're good at, but you don't love. You know, just like <laughs> I might be good at editing um, written documents, but I hate it. So I would not call it, I would definitely not pick it as, you know, a passion for me, you understand? But when you find that sweet spot between what you can do and what you love to do, that's when you start to, you know, follow through on it. You get what I'm saying? You know, you need to develop tough skin too. Tough skin because sometimes <laughs> you, might have, you, might, you might have a day when things don't go according to plan. Mm. And some people will tell you that, look, stick to your day job. Yeah. You understand, <laughs> you know, so, but then like you also mentioned for starters, you can start it at moonlighting, you know, it can be your side hustle, you know, just doing it on the side. And then as you start to make more progress with it, you can, you can go into it full time. I think a lot of times the problem that people have is that they, they say, Oh, this is my passion. This is what I love. And then they, they put, they they put absolutely no pragmatism into it. They jump into it. And then because it tends to take time, when the rewards don't come and the bills keep coming, right, they find themselves running back to what they used to do. Yeah. You know, and when you run back once, it's harder to go back into it again. Yes. I mean, that's a powerful point. And what I loved about what you said was especially that there's so many, and that's a trap I fall into myself because there's so many things I can be quite good at that in the sense that, and when I say good, I mean a good standard. But I'll do it once, I'll do it twice. And before you know it, I'll go, actually, I'm not enjoying this. So, but then we fall into that trap of confusing good at something with necessarily being in love with. And that's a big, big thing. That's a big thing we all need to try and avoid. So, I mean, there's some really good stuff here. I mean, ask people to um, and to cover that up. Ask people close to you. Do it for free. And process of elimination. When we say process of elimination, get rid of the things you definitely know you don't, you don't like. So that's a fabulous way. And after you find out what the true you is, it's about moving on to the best you, which is a whole different conversation for another day, right? Oh, it, it, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is. Um, um, what is it? I, um, there's one thing I wanted to, I think, um, the, the, all of us have what we call, um, in coaching terms, we tend to call them gremlins, right? And gremlins are like these little monsters on your shoulder whispering things in your ear. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not tall enough. Um, you're not, you're not qualified enough. You understand? And, um, sometimes you might need to find out, uh, you might need to do something counterintuitive to get rid of those gremlins. You understand? So if you always have the voices telling you that you're not good enough, you need to counteract them with um, positive affirmation. You understand? Either by beginning to remember the times where you were told that you were good enough or by just thinking back at the things, at the times you did these types of things and you were quite successful. Yeah. 
them in those things. You know, celebrate your wins. Yeah, remember yeah, your wins. You know, celebrate your wins. I mean that. I mean not to go back to um, um, the Black Lives Matter and everything. And but I will talk on it very quickly. I think the gremlin thing you mentioned is very important. You see. There's a thing called subconscious bias, which is which happens on both sides. And what happens yes. is over the over the years, the institutional, what we see, what what is systemic that people see on TV or people see in the workplace, which is not said, but it's inferred, and the system enforces it. So all of a sudden, yes. if you're a minority and you go into um, an office where there's a majority, sub subconsciously you can ask yourself, do I deserve to be here? I don't deserve to be here. So what you have is subconscious bias plus imposter sy syndrome. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not good enough. That comes in. And at the same time, the other side is probably thinking, does he deserve to be here? And that all comes together to, to create this hectic mix of, of an organization where one person doesn't think he deserves to be there and needs to learn the power of self-affirmation to enforce it. And the other side needs to understand that there are certain systems in place that make people not perform to their best. So I think not to talk too much on that, but I think one of the things a lot of people need to recognize is, and we have listeners from both sides, is that you always have to be aware of these gremlins because they're always there. And especially in your downtime, especially when you're in the valley, especially when you're going through a period where things aren't working oh, out the best for you. That's when the gremlin voice becomes louder because that's when... Yeah there is no immediate evidence around you to show that what you're doing is the right thing. So you've got to dig deep into your, <clears throat> into your mental roller decks, your mental vault to find the things you did well and remind yourself, I am a good speaker. I am a good product manager. I am a good analyst. I've done this before. I'll do it again. I did well in my training. And then that's how mm -hmm. you, you deal with the gremlins. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's it's so important uh, because whether we like it or not, uh, there will be those um, downtimes. You know, even for the best of us, even for the most, for the most successful, you'd be amazed at how many super seemingly super successful people, right, um, suffer from imposter syndrome. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 yes, and I can, and, and and there's there's this motivational video I watched, and what what have you said? One of the things he said is, the people you admire, they go through this, but the big difference is they don't live there. The big difference mm -hmm. is they don't live there. So everybody you know goes through down times, but what these people have is they have a system, they have a way of auto suggestion, and they have a way of very quickly digging themselves out of that rut. Yep. They'll go for a jog. They'll do something to create the endorphins and the dopamines and, and all, all, all those chemicals yeah, yeah. that very quickly yeah, bring yeah. them back to a place of positivity. Because once you're not in a place of positivity, you doubt your true you and you go back to what you know. And once you go back to what you know, it becomes harder to come back because you always say, I, am, I end up here anyway, so why leave? I mean... yeah. Fabulous. It's been so, so great having you on. And this has already set the scene for part two, which is going to be um, at some point we'll have to get you in to talk about becoming your better you, discovering your better you. So um, great. Um, I think if I let you go, any one key message, one key thing, if people leave this podcast, what's the one thing you want them to keep with them as far as becoming their true selves, becoming your true you? Hmm. One thing, I'm picking it up. Driving it down to one would be tough. But okay, let me put it this way: um, you probably it starts from knowing yourself, and I would say know what you know. You understand? Um, if you want to, one of the first thing, one thing you should do is just sit down and begin to write the things that you know, the things that you can do, you know, right? And the things that you love, right? Write them down because we need awareness. You need to be, so I would probably say that develop your level of self-awareness. Know yourself. You know, that's just like Socrates said, man, know thyself, right? A lot of, don't let others be the ones to always have to tell you about you. You understand? It's fine to ask for that, for, to ask um, people, you know, 
as you continue to audit your skills, your talents and everything, but ultimately you should be the master of you. Mm. You understand? And so self-develop your self-awareness. Yeah. You understand? When you notice that you're happy, right? What happened? What did I do? You understand? The dopamine must have come from something. Yeah. Was it the feeling of achievement? Was it the fact that you helped someone? Was it the fact that someone said, thank you? You understand? No, you. You understand? When you develop your self-awareness, you can go, you can, that's the foundation, right? For you finding the true you. Thank you. I mean, that's amazing. And you heard it here yourself. Discovering your true you is a journey. Discovering a true you means asking hard questions of yourself and asking the same question of others. Practicing who you were meant to be could also mean sometimes doing it for free till you validate it and you build up the skills and it becomes something you could flip and become something that can earn money. And the other thing you could also do is process of elimination. Start to find out the things you absolutely don't like and that will give you an idea of the things you like. Hey, listen, everyone, we only have one life to live. And in this life we live, we need to make sure we're using it well. We need to make sure we're spending this life doing the things we love the most. Because when we're doing the things we love, that's when we shine. When we're doing the things we love the most, that's when everyone looks at us and says, wow. When we're doing the things we love the most, that's when we're pouring ourselves out. And when we're doing, when we're doing the things we love the most, that is the only chance we have of dying empty. Because to die empty means to die knowing you've done everything you were born to do and you've poured out everything that's inside you. Listen, guys, it's been a great week. It's been a fabulous time having this guest with us. And he shared some great things. And what I'm expecting of you is to go out there fully trying to understand and identify your true gift and putting it into purpose. With that said, get unleashed and stay unleashed. <laughs>